<sighs> what can be said after that, says the guy who's about to say a bunch of things after that. <laughs> this is The Sopranos Podcast, Season 4, Episode 13, There Must Be a Camelot. I know you better than anybody, Tony. Even your friends, which is probably why you hate me. That's a quote from Carmela in Season 4, Episode 13 of The Sopranos, entitled White Caps, written by Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, and David Chase, directed by John Patterson. Boo. This is crap. Boo. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to throw this out there, and we'll, have, we'll, 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 we'll come in hot. Best finale yet? Not even close. Hmm. Interesting. Uh-oh. Meaning it's that far away ahead of the others, or it's not as good as the first three at all? No, I think it, I think it takes a big step. I think yeah. actually other finales, while really good, are usually bumping up from a penultimate that's bananas. This one is a, almost a top five for the series for me. Mm-hmm. And usually the finales give me the opportunity to praise John Patterson because of how much I like his direction, and I like it here too. Top of the list, thanks for the house. Credit goes to Jimmy Gandolfini and Edie Falco. And not necessarily in that order, ladies and germs. Uh-uh. The scenes between them make this episode. I'm glad you clarified because I thought you were saying that the other finales were much better than this. <laughs> well, and I was this, going to fight you. Is this a good place to start for all of us? to? Isn't this the payoff? Like, what does he say in the pilot? Yeah. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my family. Here we are. Yeah. Right. This, 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 not really because obviously there's still some threads, but this in many ways, could be a series finale if you really want to just end it in a massively uncomfortable place and leave some New York threads dangling. But this is rough, and this is there's a lot of callbacks to the pilot. In the last few episodes, there have been several, particularly with Melfi and now this. So I, I agree with you, Paul. This is, in some sense, a season finale on the first, like, two-thirds of the series. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this was a... A phenomenal episode. This might be the best episode of The Sopranos I've seen so far. Yeah, it's really wonderful. And as Paul said, at the center of this is the performance of James Gandolfini and Edie Falco, who both took home Emmys for this one. I don't put much stock in award shows, especially lately, but once in a while they get them right, folks, and there was just no beating this in 2002. Uh, I don't know what else was going on off the top of my head that year, but uh, yeah. James Gandolfini and Edie Falco, their scenes always sizzle, but they have a particular oomph to them. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Alan Saffensley. <laughs> Buy this property, I'll make your life a misery. I'll tort you into the poorhouse. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Saffensley. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Jordan Hugh, and clearly a big fan of Alan Saffensley. <laughs> who is, of course, the most vital character in Whitecaps. <laughs> can't leave A.S. here fucked in the ass. (laughs) He is a wonderful character. I'm excited to talk about him. What a memorable one-shot for this character. I was just saying in the pre-show, of all of our one-shot characters, I think Alan Sappensley's my favorite. (laughs) Just such a good character. Yeah. Any uh, initial, just throw them out there, thoughts? We talked about where this ranks right off the bat, but let's give our initial thoughts and then we'll do what we do. This This is the longest episode of The Sopranos so far. It's an hour 15 minutes, so this is going to be a long uh, breakdown, but I'm, I'm thrilled. I couldn't be more thrilled to get into it. Yeah, this is a crowning achievement of sort of structural genius, in my opinion. So uh, this whole season has been such a swerve. 
I've not really know how to to watch it. Mm. Uh, and I've, I mentioned that in a number of our recordings this episode where I just constantly comment like, this is not where I'm used to being in a series of television. I feel unmoored. I'm not really sure where it's going. Um, you know, there are all these threats that are presented. Uh, Ralph Cifaretto, uh, the New York family, uh, you know, Tony and his, his various affairs, you know, all of this stuff is, is threatening. And then you have the, the Carmela and Furio plot that is playing parallel to all of those things. And to watch everything come together is amazing. But I think the brilliant dodge that this season pulls off and, and makes Whitecaps what it is, is that Tony has not realized that the confrontation that's been boiling all this time isn't with Ralphie and it's not with New York, it's with Carmela, right? And that's the big showdown, you know, all of this Western stuff that we've been, oh, it's the, it's the cowboys and they're coming out at high noon. No, it's your wife, man. Yeah. That's, that's the opponent. That's the foe you've been underestimating. You know? And that's why it's been such a creep, such a, if I may quote it a few episodes ago, such a rising damp from the foundation of the house. It, right. The house is rotting from within. So it's like, uh, yeah, you know, you can play around with uh, Carmine and, and Johnny Sack and, and you can do what you need to do with Ralph Sofretto, but uh, Carmela was the one you were supposed to be paying attention to this whole time and now is your comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well said, as always. Whitecaps are the foam that happens on the top of the waves. It's the result of what boils underneath in the water. Uh, very beautiful to look at. I know nothing about boating. I love the ocean, but my sophistication is about as deep as AJ's. Like, Chris, look, blue crabs! <laughs> but if people... I've read a bit about this. If people do boating and they know some of the signals that they need to know. If you see white caps on the water, what it means very often is that there are big waves nearby. And it's rough surf, can't go out. Yeah. Which could mean that a storm is coming and what happens to the marriage, it hits the rocks. Yeah. I adore this episode. I, As I said, I think a lot of it is the acting of Gandolfini and Edie Falco. I think, as Jordan mentioned, it is a swerve, um, unexpected but inevitable, that it would come yeah. to this. And also tracking with a lot of what we've done this season, it's a lot about even marriage as a financial arrangement and other things, business deals, including murder and the financial implications of them. Yeah. And all of that coming together. Uh, it's just an incredible hour. It does not, it's a bit long. It doesn't feel long. Um, the storytelling is outstanding. Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, and David Chase. Yep. And Patterson directing. It's it's the A team. It's A plus storytelling. Yeah, how very dear both of you for saying such wonderful things. <laughs> um, I love this episode. It's really hard to watch, um, but Queen Edie Falco is peak Queen Goddess Edie Falco, and I can't even contain myself watching her just stand up for herself finally publicly, and it's really something special to watch and i yeah i love and hate this episode for pretty obvious reasons what a payoff for the actress and the character her performance in seasons three and four has been such a low simmer to finally get to pay this all out in such a grand masterful emotional way with such gravity and pain you can feel it, and that's why it works so well. And the chemistry between these two actors is wonderful. This is not easy stuff to do as actors uh, at all, this kind of emotional depth. This marriage felt real. Watching this marriage disintegrate felt real. I'm already um, getting emotional. I Just a little inside information for our audience. Um, 
I don't usually watch divorce-themed stuff. My folks had a really bad one. And I try to just avoid the subject altogether. But The Sopranos is my favorite thing. Uh, and just some of the dynamics of the family and the scenes that followed a lot of the big explosive fights are heartbreaking. And it's a great, great piece of drama. This is like the one divorce thing that I will allow myself to watch <laughs> uh, because it's worth getting this upset over. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, so this is a great, this is a masterpiece. And what a conclusion to this excellent, misunderstood season. We'll talk a little bit about why season four on the whole was misunderstood and is felt differently about than a lot of fans. We'll talk about that in the retrospective. But as far as Whitecaps goes, this is a home run, A number one. And by the way, one of the best finales of the series so far, if not the best by far, and no major character deaths. Really. The only two people who die in this are the unfortunate uh, hitmen that Chris hires. So That's some stereotyping shit. <laughs> yeah. The major series death this season was Ralphie, and that was plopped right kind of in the back half of the middle. So here we go. Let's, let's just start from the top and go through it because um, it's a long one. Carmela's sick. This shot is great. She just looks horrible, pale, unhealthy. Tony sighing in the background. Then his phone goes off. You're going to hear this phone tone a lot this episode. I think it's deliberately annoying. You're supposed to feel annoyed by it by the end of the episode, as Tony is when he expresses in the back of the bing, we were better off years ago, these fucking phones. Carmela says, you know, I told you you didn't have to come. Would you let you drive if you look that way, let you drive looking like that? Gets the call from Patsy. Chris is out of rehab. Patsy gives a little salute to the feds. We see Doc Cusimano. It's been a little while. No lupus, probably mono. Under any stress, death, major change. No answer from Carmela. Tony drops that hilarious line. You know, I have, I have family who's on drug addicts, and then people who need drugs <laughs> can get a shit like Advil. <laughs> so, yeah. How do we feel about the opening and this dynamic with Carmela, the sickness from the last episode carrying over and making her physically ill, all of the stress from the Furio situation. Yeah, to point out the obvious thing, Kuzmano is really unable to figure out the cause of what it is because it's emotional distress, right? And only we, the audience, are privy to what is emotionally distressing Carmela. Tony already starting off the episode in a really oblivious place, right? Uh, and even kind of sounding really uncomplimentary, like, would you would you let you drive if you looked like that? Yeah. It's not how I would have phrased that. <laughs> Yeah, as always, Tony's doing the absolute bare minimum. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, we're going to see that finally, since no one is taking care of Carmela, she's going to take care of herself. And we'll continue to see the attitudes and people abandoning her throughout the episode, but she'll continue to take care of herself. But my goodness, taking the phone call was the first would you let you drive like looking like that? You know, it's just less than the bare minimum. It's just he's doing absolutely nothing. And he knows how to do these things. He's very capable of it. The first thing that happens is it's taken a little while. I think Tony looks at the time and he goes, <sighs> yeah, he's so, so. And she's not even looking at him. And she says, you didn't have to come. Later in this episode, he's going to say, you don't know me at all. She knows your guttural sounds, dude. Don't even try. Right. Um, great to bring back uh, Doc Cusimano. He's yep. basically the one that got the show going. Uh -huh. He recommended Melfi. It's great to start in this setting where 
as Jordan was saying, we didn't. We, Tony hasn't been looking at this thing with Carmela. Indeed, what is bringing up some of these physical symptoms? But in psychology and often in medicine, if something's happening in a family, there's something called the identified patient, the person in the family who's causing this issue. And to Tony's eyes, and maybe even the kids to an extent, Carmela's unhappy, she's not feeling well, she must be the problem. No. We're going to dig deeper, mm. and, we're gonna, and everything's going to detonate, and we're going to see that Tony's behavior, what he brings to this marriage, what he doesn't bring, has to be brought up. And it's going to call, it's going to lead us through this story. Mm-hmm. Next scene is pretty straightforward. Johnny Sack uh, out in his yard. Ginny's wants to buy clothes for Italy. Going to the mall. Uh, Sally Mae calls, and your first response is to go shopping. You know, he suggests maybe we need to do a little belt tightening. Just gets very testy with Ginny in a way that we don't usually see out of John, especially toward his wife. Uh, that you know, his wallet is tied directly to this Esplanade. This is hurting him. Only reiterating what was suggested in the last episode by Johnny. Good visual symbolism in this scene. Did you catch what he's looking at from his lawn chair? He's looking at a building being torn down and something else being started to get built in the next field over from his house. There's all these construction vehicles and he's just sitting out there watching them. He lives in a relatively pastoral location. You know, we would think maybe he's looking at wildlife, he's looking at trees, something. He is looking at uh, one of those big construction claws tearing down a structure while new construction goes up behind it. This says to me, ambition. Mm. Mm. Nice. Mm. And it works on the level of the Soprano house itself coming undone and something anew. But that too. Sure. Yeah, it Parallel. works on a lot yep. of levels. Mm-hmm. That's great, great storytelling. Call. Yeah. Um, not only because of what Jordan just pointed out visually, but because in a minute-long scene, all you need is Johnny Sack to snap at his wife. And yep. if you've been watching this show with anything like focus, you know wait a minute, something's happening here. And indeed, the next beat is Tony being frivolous about the money with Carmela. Mm -hmm. He is seemingly not worried about it. Great parallel. Yep. Cut to Virginia Lupo and Hugh DeAngelis, and we see the house. Whitecaps. Carmela's a little annoyed that Tony has some kind of stop to make uh, down the shore. Yeah, I really want shellfish. (laughs) And uh, pulls up. Is that my father's truck? And Tony shows this beautiful house, Whitecaps, on the shore. This is, uh, look, if you live in New Jersey, a house down the shore, especially a beautiful house like this in a quiet area, it's it's wonderful for the family, cookouts, jet skiing. AJ finds the blue crabs. It's like the Kennedy compound, don't it? Well, and there's the line, right? Um, This place already has a cursed name. Mm. All right, Paul brought it up in the episode introduction. Whitecaps is not a good thing to name your vacation house. Whitecaps aren't a good thing. When you're a sailor, or you're even just someone who's going to go casually boating, whitecaps are the last thing you want to see on your weekend. It means you can't take the boat out, okay? Mm -hmm. There could be a storm out at sea. It's going to come inland. You're going to capsize. You wouldn't name something whitecaps. You wouldn't call your family's vacation home the Kennedy Compound, a cursed family, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they don't see the sign on the door for what it is. Whitecaps, oh, like Camelot, a cursed place that is doomed to ruin. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Great episode title there and great uh, great pickup. And then we meet Jordan's favorite character. Uh, <laughs> well, at least we see him. What a great shot. You, We don't meet Alan until a couple scenes later, but the owner lives next door, Alan. 
And what a shot this is of the, the sun, the Jersey Shore, <laughs> this gigantic American flag. He's got the sweater. He waves. He's got he the sun looks, behind looks him. Looks like an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> he, never, he never tires of painting this. Yeah. <laughs> Until it turns into the Gulf of Sorrento. <laughs> uh, excellent. It, it bothers me. You know, Tony's talking to, to Carmela about the house, and you know, it's for the family. And he lists a few other th- reasons to get the house. Oh, and it's for us, too. It's like the last thing he's thinking about is what this does for her. You know? Yeah, mm. yeah that made me ill. But, you know. <laughs> Cut to this other thread that's been slowly rolling out. Junior's Trial. Uh, this is a finale, and we're nearing the end of this uh, journey here. What's going to happen? Deadlocked jury. There's a lone juror who... Uh, is not being reasoned with. The judge is issuing what's called an Allen charge, which is go back and keep trying, go back and keep trying, give yourself a few more days. It's a way for the court to put pressure on the jury to figure it out and and not have this trial end in a uh, hung jury. But my God, that fucking glare Junior gives this guy would stop me cold. Sure. (sighs) I, you can hardly blame this poor man. Oh, God, I mean, no. No, he knows that's the rough He'll thing be dead and it. his family will be dead. Yes. Yeah. Oh, he, he's fucked. Uh, but, man, that Junior... And that's where they're at because he, they know they have this guy. The fact that Junior can just openly stare this guy down in court like, you know what I'll do to you? It's great. Yes. Yeah. Junior of old, despite the fact that yes. uh, he is uh, diminished. Yeah, it's kind of amazing to me that no one picks up on exactly what's happening, but then I actually thought, like, it's not the kind of thing you can call out anyway, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that would also kind of result in a mistrial of a different sort. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Once you get to the, getting to the juror, once you get there, you can look any way you want at the juror. It's, it's, it's in the open. It's not like, it's one of those things that's like, it's not like the judge here doesn't know what's happening on some level. Sure. Well, page one mob tactics, right? The old school would be you kill the witnesses, right? And you you kill the jurors or something like that. Now we're in the, the realm of witness tampering and jury tampering, which is, of course, what they're going to do in any kind of a, a case with this kind of a profile. Mm. Interestingly, um, the, the agreement, the trust that is formatted with this juror is the only one that's kept in this episode. Mm. Every other agreement is broken. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. Tony and Chinese delivery, uh, you know, <laughs> did you go through the order first, make sure they have everything? Just, uh, <laughs> it, it's great. This is such a real thing that people, like, I don't know, anyone who's worked in customer service or food service has seen or heard this interaction at some point. <laughs> Dinner is served. She, did you guys catch she fixes how the silverware was laid out? I did, out? that's a beautiful it touch. really nice. She mm-hmm. says, she's setting Even the house sick, right. Even sick, she's <clears throat> noticing... Yes. That Tony set the table wrong. That Tony set the table wrong. He's not taking care of her. He notices nothing. Right? Well, hey, he noticed that the orange peel beef was missing. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. (laughs) Uh, This scene, um, I believe the tag on it is the smartest thing AJ has ever said. Yeah. When she's saying they're going to make the no swearing policy work and AJ says it's too late. late. Yep. It's like no shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you pay po- yourself three dollars. Everybody's policy in this house is I do for me. Right. And that's right. not gonna work. Yep. He's right. It is too late. I just. I also. Look. This was me growing up. At least I can't speak for every family. But like, what a pitiful effort. It's like, oh, Carmela is sick. I'm just gonna order Chinese food. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no even attempt to just like I don't know. 
prepare a nice meal or just something. It's just like, oh, the one person that can cook in our house can't cook. It is instant takeout. I don't know. It's so old school. You know, my mom was saying how, just commenting one day about how often people eat out these days. And when she was growing up, the only days they would go to a restaurant was her mom's birthday. Yeah. And it took me a second to get it. And it's, because it's the one day that you wouldn't expect her to cook. Right. Is the day mm. they would go to a restaurant. It's not because it's extra special. It's that that's her my day grandfather off wasn't going to cook. Right. You know, yeah. that's her day off from cooking. So You're they'll right. go to a restaurant, which is nice, but it's also like... Yeah, and, and to attach to what you're saying, Carmela is the one that feeds the family and nourishes the family. So if she's uh, not feeling well, uh, emotionally distressed, she's uh, literally physically sick, right? Uh, the best that Tony can do as a substitute is a meal that does not quite even get to the table, right? Yeah. Mm. It's the, 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 the plates and the, the place settings are wrong. Not even all the food is there. And he doesn't even want to correct it. She makes the only natural suggestion. Well, call them back and have them bring the item. It'll, it'll be too late for that. Uh, but we'll be finished with it by the time that thing yeah. comes, you know? Yeah. All right. Never mind. <laughs> well, and I mean, it, does, it brings up the question, what feeds Carmela? What what gives her what she needs right? in terms of, I mean, nourishment, of course, but this life. And she can't sleep that night. She is now attaching to the house. Yeah. Um, which is, in part, what Tony wants, I think. He does want to see the smile on her face. But it is so he can go on with his other life. Correct. Yeah. <clears throat> Great lead into the next scene. She's up. Karma's interested in the house. We wouldn't get hurt as an investment. Well, if, you know, Tony's still kind of tired. Well, I know you'll sulk. I'll sulk. I was sleeping. <laughs> I like that line. Uh, and uh, Carmela drops this quote, which will, which has been said in the show before and will be repeated again before this episode is over. More is lost by indecision than wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Moving along here, uh, Chris looks good. His skin is clear. I mean, hey, we, we've watched Chris. Jack Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> we've watched Chris descend into hell this season, and he was looking terrible. The last time we saw him, uh, just drive. I, I, when I see Chris this season, I think of, uh, you know, uh, Kentucky Fried Flow. Him looking in the mirror, <laughs> just pulling his skin down. Yeah. And driving through the, the driving through a terrible neighborhood, getting beat up by a xyl- a, a toy xylophone. Uh, he's been to some dark corners this season, and uh, he's looking good. His skin is clear. He's sipping a coke. Hey, Tony. He's got a smile on his face. The makeup is good. He looks great, and he's driving Tony. So, back where he belongs and of course Furio's not driving Tony anymore I have a note for the writers on this scene yeah yeah what's your note for the writers on this scene Paul um I don't know if this could just be a reflection of where the characters are but they talk about like the steps yeah in 12-step programming as if you do the steps and that's it that's not what it is you do the steps for the rest of your life because you have to because it's a process you finish it you go back Mm-hmm. And you keep working it because you have to not drink or not do drugs. But it could also be a reflection of the level of commitment that these guys actually have. That it's like, oh, I'll do this, and I'll send cash in some cases. Mm. Which is going to, I think, characterize the commitments that they have generally. Mm. Especially in this episode. Yeah, yeah. So. Of course, something that's so necessary to the future of the family, who Tony has put all his hopes into Chris, even that, which has produced a favorable result... You have to cut corners. You have to skip steps. There's nothing full effort for these guys if they can cut any corners. Maybe you shouldn't do that one. Well, and the you one know. they shouldn't do is make amends. The 
which is so, arguably the most important well yeah step. it's holding yourself accountable which yeah. nobody does in this episode or ever <laughs> on the sopranos right. yeah. oh lily you you didn't like tony's apology to carmela in the kitchen you didn't feel that i was an asshole anyway i'm back like what the yeah, fuck? he's a truly magnanimous tony soprano yeah chris mentions he might send flowers in some cases or probably some money which i thought yes very tony of you you'll fix all your problems with some money right yeah and not not an accident that Tony Tony's the mentor to Christopher and of course his son AJ, and the advice he gives AJ later is go buy her some flowers. It's the, they're learning from this guy. They're learning this you know they're learning this pattern that has gotten Tony locked into this terrible situation with Carmela. Oh, just throw money at it, send flowers. That'll smooth it over, but it's not a long term fix to systemic problems. Which doesn't bode well for Chris, but right now he looks good. We'll see what happens. He's meeting uh, Johnny Sack at Office Max. Perfect. Strolling up and down the aisles, having this chat about killing one of the heads of the five families. Johnny makes a good point that a movement from below is not as palatable as a movement from outside. Again, another great analogy to what's going on in this episode. Tony's house being destroyed from outside is something he expects, not from within. Mm. We're all following this same motif. Tony decides to pass. He's taking all the risk. Johnny presses him a little bit. What's it going to take? Come on. Name, basically, name your price. And Tony lays it out. All claims to my HUD business are irrigated, and all future construction projects 60-40 my way. Johnny agrees, and it's set. They're going to whack Carmine. Johnny's going to be the boss. He's going to smooth it over with the other heads of the f- other four families. And uh, Tony's on board, and he's going to do it. Gets back in the car, lets Chris in on it. Johnny's a snaky fuck. And Tony mentions the slurs against slurs against Ginny and Carmine never made it right. Make it look like a carjacking, something that it isn't. Ingrown toenail. <laughs> Chris says, I know these black guys from Irvington. Make sure they're trustworthy. So it's out. The hit's out on Carmine. Yep. To mm-hmm. me, the key line in this scene in the car is, I'm going to buy this house. I need the Esplanade scratch. Yeah. It's the... And the financial situation will change, and it'll change the dynamic. It'll change the Tony and Alan Sappensley have the same initials. They're both businessmen. They drive a hard bargain, um, and Tony's going to stay with it. But it's going to be the, he's going to have an eye on that financial question. Yeah, yeah. money will solve his problems. Mm. Speaking of money, we have a ninety-day escrow in place. Tony goes back to White Caps and meets with the owner, Alan Sappensley, Jordan's favorite character. The whole thing is galling. I don't think they're going to qualify for financing. We gave them this god-awful 90-day escrow my wife's doing. She liked Mrs. Kim. (laughs) Jordan, that's excellent. Yeah, this actor has such a weird, strange, but good affectation. I I believe that accent is called Locust Valley Lockjaw. Really? I think. It's it's like a lock... Yeah, it's it's almost like he's not opening You you try not to open your mouth the whole way while you do it, and that's how you execute it, I suppose. It's the same accent from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Rooney! Calm down. <laughs> family member will have lunch. A family member dies and you insult me. <laughs> Tony says I can do 15 days, minimum allowable by law. That, that's when we get. I'm never tired of painting this. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out at the water as uh, Christopher's sitting there with his shirt off, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Come with cash, right? Fuck this. <laughs> Dr. Kim. Hey, Alan Saffinsley. It's not, huh? Well, we've got serious problems. <laughs> With the hands, of course. He's going into surgery. He doesn't want to talk there in the prep room. 
<laughs> wouldn't want to be the guy he's about to operate on. That's a great line. Uh, yeah, Jordan, I mean, I don't know. Uh, your, your Alan Sappensley is off the charts, and uh, we're uh, that's great. You can just act out the whole episode. You can I, I shall. You we gotta, in fact, the next hour, we'll be performing the script of the episode as Alan Sappensley. Alan Sappensley live from the Gulf of Sorrento. Yeah. Uh, and he gets this guy, gets the Kims to back out. I'm an attorney. Your wife's a grown woman. She'll adjust if you buy this house. Go ahead. I'll tort you into the poorhouse. <laughs> uh, I've got an overseas call. <laughs> you think it over. to make yep. his life miserable, yep. right? Yep. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Carm's feeling good. Uh, they got the house. Uh, Carm gets that call. I'm sorry. Wait. Can I? Just talk about this really briefly. Oh, sure. Because this is where it's maybe it's Carmela's complicity or the way that she has been pulled into this life that she she is realizing it. But she's still, you know, having a tough time. And she's prostrate. She's in the bed lying down. She's yeah. napping in the middle of a beautiful day like today. And she gets the call and her face changes and she brightens. This is working. Yeah. Right? Yep. So the and it's just it's twenty seconds. It's it's such good storytelling. It's great acting. Mm-hmm. We did. Brightens right up, and then the whole family comes out. This is the blue. I said the blue crabs line earlier, but this is AJ. Look, Dad, blue crabs. First uh, time I felt good signing papers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it tells them you'll inherit this. What a thing to say, <laughs> for one more ways than one. <laughs> and uh, we get this. Now, it's, it's built on a foundation of bullshit and lies and awful things, but you get this, for all intents and purposes, sweet scene of them walking on the shore, their pants rolled up, Beautifully shot, sand. right? Gorgeously yeah. shot. I, was just, I actually made a note, the lighting in this scene is off the chain. Uh, it, it's really good. Um, John Patterson, master. This episode has such a excellent visual quality. Um Anthony Soprano, you're full of surprises. You got one coming on the phone in a few days. Uh, <laughs> it's good to see the smile on your face. And they kiss. Beautiful scene. But being trained Soprano watchers, this is one of those that's like, even if you've never seen Whitecaps before, this is like, things are going too well. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like, oh, this scene is too happy for this show. Are you Something. telling me that buying a shore house won't fix your marriage? <laughs> Come on. Well, I disagree. It might. I don't know. Give it a shot. He never tires of painting this. (laughs) Just do it, fella. Uh, All right. Uh, Chris is in Irvington hiring uh, these these black gentlemen to, for, quote, wop, whack, and time in Brooklyn. And uh, I love that Chris tells them make it look like a carjacking, and they immediately call it out. That's some stereotyping shit. That's why you came to us. (laughs) And so, yeah, these guys are... uh, they're in it. They're going to be paid, and we'll come back to this uh, later. Next sound you hear, mm. cut to the phone ringing. Yep. I feel like they don't know they're whacking one of the bosses of the five families, though. Oh, no, there's no I'm, way. I'm sure they would charge much more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or they wouldn't agree to it. Yeah, yeah. They probably just told them, like, yeah, it's some old Italian guy. What are you going to do? Yeah. Plus, Kaisha's going to be on his ass about that child support. That's right. <laughs> Not anymore. His problems are over. <laughs> That's it. Right? All right, cut to phone. AJ's home, home of the burger, what's your beef? <laughs> Drinking and dialing. You see the bottle before you see the face. And then you see Arena. Uh, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong number. Oh, the handsome boy. Is your mother there? 
And here we go. We're off to the races. I used to fuck your husband. <laughs> God, she's something, isn't she? So, uh, first, she says that to Carm gets the phone, says that, and Edie has this brilliant moment um, where she hangs up immediately, and you just see her wrestling with this for a second, and... The physical, physically physical, ill. Yeah, physically, physically ill. Holding her stomach, yeah. the breathing, the heart rate, it's all there. Well, it's not just her, it's her son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the phone rings again. AJ, I've got it. And Carm is doing her best to hold it together here and come off strong, but she's fighting a tidal wave. The white caps, the tear this is the choppy waters. This is where ever this is the storm. Uh, this is the first clap of thunder. What do you want? seems we have some sadness in common he's been sleeping with my cousin Svetlana Carmela absorbs this information and then makes a threat if you call my house again I will find, I will track you down and I will kill you we've got guns here well this is after she calls her a piece of shit <laughs> to which her response is yeah I'm a piece of shit which the world every day pushes and squeezes out of its butt so if you can imagine where you are on the pecking order ouch <laughs> pecking order refers to birds Hens, yeah. and what was the portent in the dream? Duh. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carmela's gonna, Carmela's gonna leave the pecking order. Ooh, beautiful. Um, and uh, she was a mother's caregiver with the one leg, and that's when Carmela realizes that this is a credible story. It's not just a jealous ex calling. This is, which would have been bad enough, mm. right. but now this story has credibility to it, and. It's so absurd. Why would they make it up? Yep. And Carmela hangs up. And Arena finally gives up, throws the phone, and gets back in the bottle. Well, and she says one of her biggest fears, too, which is, if it weren't for your kids, you'd be out on the street. Mm. Mm. Yep. Which I don't actually think is true. No. Because she legitimizes his life. She knows him better than anybody. Right? Which is why... Tony knows he's lucky to have Carmela. He's not oh, yeah. stupid. He's, he's a philanderer. He's a hypocrite. Yeah. But he's not an idiot. Couldn't you make the case that it's more Carmela who's there for the kids? Yeah. Staying for the kids? Yes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Irina That's doesn't right. see that, but yeah. yeah. Irina only has a very limited scope of what this marriage is even like. Of course. Mm-hmm. She only knows what he's told her. Right, which is, I can't imagine much. Other than never call my house. Right. <laughs> which she does multiple times. Tony's whistling along to Layla, a great song for many reasons. But uh, the first thing that comes to mind, there's there's a lot of depth to this song choice, but uh, the first thing that comes to mind, obviously, is when things start falling apart in the movie Goodfellas is when we hear this song, and things are falling apart now in The Sopranos, and uh, Tony's just whistling it and, and coming up, drove, drives over some golf clubs. I love that shot of the golf balls coming out of the bag and just rolling down the driveway, just absolute chaos. Clothes coming out the window. What the fuck? Great first shot when Tony comes into the house, just below him. Oh, yeah. Above, everything coming down. The, Always the, the, the stairs the, on this show. Always the stairs. Always the stairs, yep. She just rains shoe boxes down on him. It's great. Shoes, boxes, it's just chaos. You fucking shitbag, get the fuck out of this house. We've never seen her like this. Tony runs up the stairs. She shuts herself into the room. Carm, what's the matter? Tony knows he's in the doghouse. It's it's, <laughs> and he's shocked to see Carmela this way, and I don't think he was expecting something like this, even in his worst nightmare. 
uh, fear, afraid of it, but not expecting it. And he's trying to get in the door. What I do now, huh? What I do, head on the door. Your mother told you what I said about your father's psoriasis. So I was just trying to be honest with her. I know it's like, it shows how like <laughs> aloof he is, but yeah. I think that's so funny. Yeah. I was oh, just man. trying to be honest with her. What do I do now, huh? Well, like, oh, shucks, you... Boys will be boys. That guy's so... My, that husband of mine, it's like, no, dude. Does he really think she's going to come out of there and you said this about my father? Like, this upset? <laughs> right, yeah. Close out the, the window Yeah, fucking upset? defenestrating his possessions out onto the front lawn <laughs> yeah. over psoriasis comments. It, it would definitely be an argument, but this, Tony... Tony's... It's, it's, he's just... But these... To be fair, we've talked in the last several episodes about these two are on completely different planets right now. Mm-hmm. So, she finally opens up the door... The Russian called. Your son answered the telephone. You've made a fool. Oh, says all this very emotional, powerful stuff. Giving it right to him. Backing him up. He reaches all reliable first. She's insane. She's fucking certifiable yep. is what he says first. Yep. Like, can I put this out quickly? Can I just blame it on Arena's yep. mental instability? Yep. It's just a moment, but he rams her against that wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's rough. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, she uh, rings up Svetlana. The one... Who, who I liked, who uh, I talked about, her mother's alopecia and her bowel movements, and I shared, who I shared vodka with on the night your mother died. You've been fucking her. There is not a shred of truth in that. Why would she, she make says. it up? Because she's jealous, and then it manifests in physicality. She starts hitting him. He grabs her and slams her real hard up against the wall. Let go of me. He does. Amazing acting. This is just, I mean, brutal. Brutal. How can you not feel for her? Get out. Tony's trying to smooth it over. Now, uh, come on. Like, as it, you know, still denying the reality of how bad this is, thinking that this is going to be smoothed over like it always is. And uh, she, he reaches out to touch her. She slaps his hand away. Don't you touch me ever again. So you've had a one legged one now. You've had quite a time on my watch. And Tony's had enough being attacked. So he comes out with his own weak bullshit. At least I never stole from you. Stole from you? 40 grand from the bird feed. Listen to you sound demented. She's gaslighting him. It's a nice nice reversal there. You want to hit me, Tony? Go ahead. He, he says, I've never, I've not carried on an affair. Very careful wording here. Mm-hmm. I've not, although he wanted to. She rejected him, <laughs> right. by the way. <laughs> I have not carried on an affair with her cousin, and I will take a goddamn polygraph to that effect. And he might actually pass the polygraph because he's a sociopath. I was going to say, Tony, I think, would pass any polygraph on anything. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Po- po- polygraphs are ineffective just in general, but especially on people who are trained actors or sociopaths. You know, it, it, they're very easy to fool. Well, that's and the, good point. And that's where this relationship is at. He's talking to her like she's yeah. a cop who's interrogating him. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, right. Yeah. She does confront him with more evidence. She says, I found her fingernail, fingernail. Tony. And now... It's it's so interesting to watch him caught in that trap because he can't elaborate any further because then it realized it would implicate him in yet a third affair. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like, holy shit, dude. Well, yeah, what's he going to say? You can't even defend yourself on that one because you would have to reveal that there's another woman she doesn't even know about. Yeah, yeah, he'd have to. Because re- she doesn't know yeah. about Valentina yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, she. it's almost like, thank God she thinks it's Svetlana's fingernail, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah, and you can see all that in his head. Right. You no, know. she's got him dead to rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, nothing, nothing. As if he's like, I'm not even going to dignify that. But he fucking knows he's caught yeah. uh, and can't say shit about the fingernail. He just can't be honest. This is another situation in therapy, in his business, and now in his personal life that he just can't be honest. 
Oh, I think we, we accidentally skipped, I think, like the most heartbreaking line yeah. in that sequence, which is, what does she have that I don't, have, that right I don't have? And he rolls his Which eyes. is before the polygraph. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. yeah, yeah. He rolls his eyes at that. What does yeah. she have that I don't have? Which is, which is extra. Un- unreal delivery on that. Unreal. <laughs> and she's the only one in this family that looks within when there's a problem, at least this episode. Yeah. Because maybe Meadow at some point will look within, but like... Th- they all blame her yeah. or something outside, right? Tony will never take accountability for anything. AJ, that is the only thing AJ has inherited from Tony, right? Um, Meadow even blames, starts to blame Carmela. Isn't it your thing with Furio? I know I'm getting ahead of us. Um, at least it's within the episode. She is the only one willing to say, is it me? Yeah. And it's not her at all. Right? I know I wrote this question down later, but, like, I only see her side of this argument. I don't see anything she has done that isn't hasn't been reactionary. This is his fault. Entirely. The whole season. I'm not going to defend Tony here. I'm not. And that's been my question. I wanted to ask all of you. I'm certainly not Is there be... another side of this argument? The, the the only thing Tony says at any point that has some credibility to it, as far as I'm concerned... Later in and the it's episode. it's still later, and it's still not an excuse. It is that this has been an ongoing thing for them forever. Like, Carmela knew... It's not like... It's not like... Tony's point about... It's, who, what, where do you get off being surprised that there are women on the side? That's a cruel and terrible thing to say to her... Because she's been such a good wife to him, and it's clearly not an arrangement she likes. But it's it wasn't a surprise either. Here's the difference. AJ knows. Right. Carmela acts out anytime it's thrown in her face, but she contains it to Tony. Hmm. And maybe talks about it with the other wives. Now that she has been exposed outside of their unit. She can't take it anymore. Mm. Yeah. She hasn't been able to take it anymore for the whole show. Uh, but the fact that AJ now knows she is it is now a public humiliation. Mm. That's what's different. Sure. And he can't. So that's my response to that. We can bring it up more later, but Um, here's my take on it. I think all this is true. I do blame Tony fundamentally. Of course. Um it's a stupid rule that he breaks. That's what I think. Don't humiliate me with your affairs. Here's why that's not enough. Because Tony wasn't humiliating her with the affairs at the beginning of this season. And she was still unhappy. And she fell in love with Furio because he gave her something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I think Carmela's been complicit. But, as Lily said, she's the one who's going to actually call herself out on it. And mm-hmm. be willing to sit with the pain. Yeah. of it. This doesn't make her happy to do this. She throws him out and she sits on the bed and wails. But... Well, and it's she... so different compared to what Tony is about to do, which is rather than... The right thing for Tony to do after this scene is call Melfi, get your ass in that chair, and come clean about all of this and analyze, what have I done to cause this? But the first thing he does is bang on Arena's door. We'll get there. She said I was high maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> Can you believe that? And then he's banging yeah. on her door in the middle Tony's of the anger, day. Tony, Tony's anger is external. Carmela is beating herself up about letting it get this far. Yeah, this isn't great. But the later defense uh, doesn't work for me only because 
there's too many affairs, mm. right? Carmella brings up this point. I think it's one of her best points. It's just like, you know, are you having like deep emotional affairs with everyone you have sex with? And, and it's no. This season in particular, he's like fucking anything that moves. Yeah. Right? He's just all out there the whole time. I feel like the other mob wives, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are the show experts, but, you know, the other mob wives are usually just dealing with their husbands and one gumar, right? Mm. They have, like, the one girlfriend on the side. It's not great for the institution of marriage, but it's part of the mob life. I accept that my husband does illegal things for money, and that includes murder, right? And that they also have this girlfriend on the side, that, and that's part of the culture, this, you know, misogynistic culture, cultural thing. But Tony doesn't just have, like, the one girlfriend on the side, like an Irina or something like that. He has, basically, freedom to have sex with anyone at any point, and Carmela just doesn't want to know about it, hmm. and she's consistently forced to know about it. Yeah. You know? Uh, that's not okay. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, I hope beating the shit out of Zellman was worth it, because <laughs> it started... See, you see how that came back. It started right. a spiral of humiliation that finally landed on Carmela, and it's too much. Yeah. Major, major consequential moment, as we found out in the next scene. Uh, but let's wrap up this scene. Tony gives the old standby when she says, I want you out of this house. Leave me alone. What about the kids? That's the last thing the husband says when he's out of arguments and is trying to appeal to the wife that's kicking him out. And she says, yeah, it's horrible. God help them. Tony leaves, accepts it for now. There'll be more. But... Uh, Again, right to she sits on the bed wailing, sobbing. She's gonna be here for a long time, crying. And uh, Tony goes right to Arena. Arena, open the fucking door. I'm kicking in. And Svetlana comes out from the downstairs apartment. Uh, and uh, drops it on Tony. She blames you for. She's probably hiding in Brighton Beach. Of course. She blames you for Zellman. They broke up shortly after. He couldn't perform. <laughs> he he couldn't that. perform in front of her. Fuck that. <laughs> um, who was it told her about us? Was it you, please? And uh, she says, Bronca. And this is a fun twist of the knife here. Uh, they had a fight over FICA and federal withholding. <laughs> Tony has to laugh at it. FICA <laughs> and federal withholding. This is one of those uh, you know rare situations where someone snitching about the feds fucks up tony like it's, it's kind of a weird like the yeah. feds the feds in, had a role in the destruction of the soprano marriage it's very funny a very like banal and bureaucratic yes exactly of, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's a that's a beautiful bit of irony even tony sees it tony says you know how about some f sympathy what do you have ice in your veins and she goes back to high advice ice in my veins on your uncle's couch and he says most expensive piece of ass i've ever had ah mm. again money Fidelity, trusts. The season starts about money. The first episode of the season has a $20 bill that we slowly zoom in on and the money conversation that creates some arguably, not, I don't believe this, but it's been argued that they create some of the more dull scenes of this episode that are about money and finances, financial planning and all that. But these themes that back money, fidelity, trust, it all comes to a big explosion here, which is why it's such a brilliant theme for this season yeah very shakespearean yeah. actually i feel like everything everything in this season has mounted to a particular consequence yeah. and particularly in this episode yeah. right uh i will always think of othello right you drop a handkerchief it will return to smother you 
right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is everything from the fingernail to you think you get away with this thing. Oh, I'm going to sleep with Svetlana. I'm going to beat Zelman with a belt. I'm going to <laughs> just run through my life with impunity like I'm fucking Superman. These are the things that cause men who watch the show to idolize Tony Soprano. But the crushing weight of these things that he does to other people does come back on him. Yeah. He does not act with impunity. Yeah. You know, th these, are, these are severe consequences that he's now experiencing. Yeah. And she does... He says, do you have ice water in your veins? But she says, you're a strong guy. She takes his hand. Mm -hmm. The last scene, Carmela said, don't ever touch me again. Um, this is Tony's fault. Don't forget what rejection means to him. Mm -hmm. It means to a guy whose mother tried to have him killed. And what that, how that plays out. Yeah. Tony uh, goes to Whitecaps, decides to sack out on the floor here. The and, house that uh, he bought to keep his family together. Yeah, just sleeping in it alone, no furniture, just... Blanket on the floor. Aid, you can tell by the shoes that it's Adriana. Dark, dank garage. We are touching down on her again. She's still... The feds are back on her now that Chris is out of rehab. I can't imagine they met very often while Chris was in there because Chris is her connection to the underworld. Well, How, how about the wedding? We haven't talked about it. And Chris isn't sure he'd be a good father. Yeah, no shit. Uh, <laughs> right, after, after killing the dog, yeah. Yep. They know Tony is, quote, house hunting down the shore, which is a fun uh, little thing there that they, you know, they, they always have their eye on him. She asks about Ralph Cifaretto, and she says that Chris wants to get him into rehab if he, re if he <laughs> resurfaces. He's got a serious drug problem. Yeah, he might have hit bottom somewhere. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> bottom of the ocean. He sure did. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the bottom of Mikey Palmisi's dad's farm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the scene makes me so sad because Adriana is so lonely. And she asks the FBI agent, you know, how are you? And she moves right back into business. And it's like she's just yearning for some kind of connection. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we, we'll see in a second. Like, Christopher is back and that's not there. Mm -hmm. And she's just that lonely. It makes me very sad. Right, yeah. She asks the FBI agent, yo, you have kids, right? And, right. and nothing, nothing, of course, because they can't. Yeah. It's a quick check-in, but it really gives us a sense of that desperation and the she give the, the agent gives it a little bit when... Adriana mentions Vito calling her every day and that, like, creepiness. Like, it's a nice female bonding moment because yeah. we've all been there with a creep. Not that that's a nice female bonding moment, but a female bonding moment. But it just, it makes me so sad. Yep. And we are a spoiler-free podcast, but for those paying very close attention, I would like to put a pin in this conversation about Vito for later. But, yes. Aid mentions she's going to meet her mother. A Agent Sanseverino lets her go. Go ahead. You have my mercy for now, Chris. You know, she's easing back into this. And I think there has to be a moment of pity on her part. Because, again, the feds, they're dullards. They're obnoxious. They're not particularly likable characters. But they have a general sense of things. They have to know Ralphie's dead. Because he's not in the program. And that's their go-to excuse when somebody just goes missing. And there has to be a moment of pity when she says that about Ralph. That, you know, oh, he's got a serious drug problem. Chris wants to get him into rehab when he comes back. They have to be thinking, oh, you poor, sweet idiot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, lets her go. So uh, she does that and then knock on the window. It's your, it's your man again. I saw your car. Que pasa? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Tony tells him that uh, things aren't good at home and he went to go sleep on his boat, but the smell of the paint so he had to come in there i love the way his voice cracks when he says paint 
I also love how glib Alan is about Tony's problems, because to me, Alan, this scene just represents the rest of the world. Just be like, this is the worst day of Tony's life, arguably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Alan's just like, oh, well, I've been up at bat three times myself. Uh, you know, make sure you go consult with all the local divorce lawyers. Like, 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 you know. And in the next scene, when it serves his business interests, he's like, as, <laughs> as frivolous the other way, right? Sure. Like, you and your wife could be back together in a month. Exactly. What, what I mean to say is this. I think Tony, uh, I'm reading into this a bit much. I, I get it. But I, oh. I think it, it serves. Tony wishes he could be as glib and surface about marriage as Alan Sappinsley, right? Who treats all of his life seemingly as something glib and surface except for money. Okay? Money is the thing that motivates Alan Sappinsley. Tony wishes it was money that motivates him, but ultimately he wants love. Mm. Uh, and that's the problem. That's why he's destroyed by this, right? Mm -hmm. He can try to play it off cool, but we see in all of the in-between scenes, he's not okay. No. He's not a cool. Uh, a cool. He is, he is unmoored. Uh, by uh, Carmela leaving him and, and potentially separating and divorcing him. So when Alan says these very casual throwaway things like, "I've been married three times or three times at bat," I you know yeah. uh, you know uh, go interview all the divorce lawyers in the area, all this stuff, uh, it doesn't strengthen Tony at all. But it does give us like another glimpse into somebody who could have the sh quote unquote strong silent type viewpoint on something like suddenly losing your wife, your wife suddenly leaving you, right? Uh, Tony can't become someone like Alan, right? Yeah. Un you know, unfortunately for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Tony gets dressed and heads over to the Sappenleys. You know, this thing with me and my wife. I think now's not the time to be buying a house. This wife is clearly Carmela-esque. Yeah, yeah. She's short, she's blonde, short hair, she's too smart for her husband's bullshit. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, there's a lot of similar... There, there's differences, of course, but similarities, too, between Alan and Tony. Uh, well, and your attention would not be drawn to it as much if the guy didn't obnoxiously refer to himself in the third person with his initials. Yeah. Which are the same as Tony's. Right, leaving a S here fucked in the S. Like, <laughs> so it highlights some similarities, but also, of course, how different. Yep. <laughs> the guy's so annoying. There's a cool, there's a cool, very cool, deliberate thing that happens later in the phone call that I want to talk about as far as similarities. But uh, he, uh, Tony wants his deposit back, and... Um, I love that sounds. <laughs> Alan is, you know, like you said, just the casual way he treats it, but it's the worst day of Tony's life. And he's just like, I just don't see how your marital situation affects the sale. <laughs> it negates the sale, right? And he doesn't get why this would be a problem. Well, a lot of this is for my kids. The wife, oh, that's so sad. And if he does the lawyer thing, uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Shuts her up before she says anything. It's like uh, when you're buying a house, it's like a, re a, re a mirror image of when you're buying a house. And the old cliche of the wife, oh, it's beautiful, and you want the husband's like, shut up, shut up in front of the realtor. We don't want them to hear how much you like it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I remember once when I was younger, my folks were looking to get a place, and we were looking at them, and they're like, if you like the house, shut up. Like, don't say anything about how much. Oh, this will be a cool room for me. Like, don't say anything. So that's that's real, but that's funny. But Tony's just like, you know, let me out of this thing, okay? I dumped the Kims because uh, you and your wife seem so in love. I, I dumped the buyer because you and your wife seem so love so in love with the place. And I love the simplicity with which Tony says, um, uh, it, it was the cash and the short escrow. Yeah. <laughs> right. and he's yeah. completely Tony, bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah, come on. Correct. Who the fuck are you yeah. trying that kid here? And then, of course, the line that we've been quoting, right? Look, who knows what's going to happen, Tony? You and your wife could be back together in a month, leaving AS here fucked in the ass. <laughs> Oh, God. It's so great. Tony wants to be let out of it. I can't. I have partners. And he gets the look from his wife. Yep. Um, 
I, yeah, I wish you could all see Jordan's face when he does the Alan Sappens. You just gotta hold perfect. your jaw in place and just go for it. <laughs> uh, so Tony gets a call. Listen, I gotta take this. Then I'm not buying your house. That's the last thing he says. <laughs> His wife's urging. The guy's a mobster. Yeah. They buy houses from people. They yeah, conduct they, they, business. Is... I dealt with them in that Neapolitan copyright thing for Enya. <laughs> I'll probably let him walk, but there's a negotiation, which he knows full well. Yeah. You don't have any partners. Well, thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> okay, this is great. Uh... <laughs> thank you for this. <laughs> um, the call that pulled Tony out of the Sappensley home was Johnny Sack... Carmine wants to meet, settle. He's ready to settle. You know, hey, it's like, are you kidding me? Everything's in motion. Welcome to my world. And then we have this meeting in the park. It's funny how everything else is working out except for Tony's marriage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like everything else is falling neatly into place, but he can't get the one thing he should have had locked up, locked up. Yeah, yep, yeah, perfect. Carmine offers his condolences. Uh, this is such a bullshit line, but it's very... Uh, to quote Carmine Jr., very allegorical for a mob boss to talk this way. <laughs> uh, you know, listen, our thing is more than a livelihood. Uh, you know, tragedies affect us. And uh, Tony cuts through the bullshit. And they come to a pretty fair agreement. Let's split the difference. 20%. I said 40. You said 5, which was an insult. Was that what you said? Which was? Uh, uh, I said 40. Was, you said 5.5, which was ridiculous. Which was ridiculous, yeah. And Tony, so Carmine says 20%. Tony counters with 15. You know what? If it'll put this shit to bed, 15. And they shake hands, they hug. This fucking line. My son was a big help in all this. I want you always to remember that, yeah. even after I'm gone. But I'm not going no place. <laughs> Loved it. That whole line together. One, his idiot son. Yep. That they'll, I imagine, they'll kill the second Carmine is in the ground. <laughs> right? And, uh, yeah... Healthy as a fucking ox, this guy. Or so what does Johnny Healthy say? Healthy as a rhino. Healthy yeah. as a rhino. Healthy as a rhino, this guy. Tony <laughs> says, you stay that way. You stay that and way. And they embrace. It's it's probably a good insight for all of the Sopranos. I think, in particular, this episode, words and gestures can be used to deceive. Yeah. And will be. Yep. Because the next scene, they're still planning on killing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a little on the nose, this meeting takes place in the park over a chessboard mm-hmm. with no pieces on it because, of course, the pieces are all the people in their respective operations. Mm-hmm. Very good. This next scene with Carmen Meadow is very sad. This is a very sad scene. This is one of those scenes. These, to me, the power of this episode is, I mean, the scenes, the explosive, great dialogue that crackles throughout the whole episode is what you remember. But for me, the emotional core of these of this episode are the quiet scenes at home. This one, the one later when Tony finally leaves, breaks my goddamn heart. But this is uh, this is a great scene nonetheless. The two ladies here chatting. Meadow's home. Did you get any sleep? You should go back to school. I'd just be thinking about what's going on here. Meadow laments, I always felt superior to my friends because they came from these fucked up families. And uh, fucked up divorced parents. I, you know, I just thought me and Finn would be together with kids and the whole family would be together. Carmela says, you're going to have a wonderful future and it's all predicated on bullshit. That's not true. I think you know that. Carmela's acting here. She's just, um, she's so believable. This is like a person who's been cried out and exhausted for days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe here and she pulls it off so well. She just doesn't have any energy in her to fight with Meadow. Meadow brings up 
Furio, and you get the interesting little zoom-in shot on Carmilla. I've never been unfaithful to your father. Not now, not ever. Uh, Daddy was. And that's when Carmilla just shuts this down. And, and, you know, as someone who was privy to a lot of his parents' uglier fights, I actually respect Carmilla for this move, not willing to go there. And despite the anger and hurt she has, that she is... And maybe it's even for emotional selfish reasons. Maybe she's just not in the fucking mood to go there. But the fact that she doesn't trash Tony to Meadow or go yes. into this in detail yeah. is good parenting. Mm-hmm. They're this they're is... making it clear she's not going to use the tactic of using children as weaponry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, especially, and I admire Carmela's strength here, especially because of how could you eat shit from him for all these years? It's. It's so inappropriate for Meadow to go there. It is so unkind to say that to her mother. Mm-hmm. And and I know what she's what she means. She means to be It comes from a place of love for her. It Carmella. does it's come true. from a place of love, but it, it's not what Carmela needs. And it really opens up just how nobody has taken care of her. Mm. Father and Tintola didn't take care of her. He was in it for the food and the weird connection. Mm. You know, Furio is the only one who would think of her. And so, you know, even her own daughter just doesn't seem to have sympathy for her. Even though, yes, you there is. And my brother is going to be somewhere listening to this very mad at me. He's a big fan of the show and he's always mad at me for my opinions on Carmela because... She's complicit. She knows what she got into, but well, she bro- still doesn't. Your brother's going to have a voice because he wrote into the show, and we're going to read him during listener mail. So he'll be represented, but yes. Yeah, so well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Meadow loves and cares about Carmela, but Lily, you're right. This is victim blaming. Correct. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, yeah, it's her fault. She stayed. Well, what, where is she going to go? What is she going to do? And and you know why she, how she could eat shit from him for all these years? Because of her. Because of AJ. That's why she took all this shit for years. What would have happened if she had tried to leave and go to Italy with Furio? What would Meadow do? What would any of them do let's not if she like, hopped on a plane and went with Furio? Let's not act like this is not totally unmooring for Carmela as well. This is a huge risk she's taken. Correct. What Tony loses in the home stability, the home-cooked meals, the bed, the comfort, uh, Carmela is losing in the financial security Agree, but she's at least considered this as possible. Yeah. Somehow, Tony and all his scheming... Oh, Tony had the rug pulled out. Correct. This has has never thought Carmella would ever leave him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I think she's at least been brought to the brink of unhappiness and despair so many times. She's at least thought through this before. Of of course. You know? He hasn't. He's really a total ignoramus in this moment. Absolutely. And we see how unprepared he is, right? Uh... I'm going to go sleep on the floor of the house I don't own yet. I'm going to... I can't sleep on my boat. It was too whatever in there. I guess I'll stay at the plaza. I mean, he doesn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. He's sleeping on the cot in the pork store by the end of the show. Yeah. Right. Even bitching with the guys doesn't really help. They're all like... Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're all useless, too. I mean, you know... <laughs> Tony, I'm Def- on your side on this. Yeah, yeah thanks, Def- thanks, we'll, Paulie. We'll, we'll, we'll I was get... gonna say, definitely take relationship advice from Paulie Walnuts. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, we'll, we'll, we'll... I would love to read that relationship book. No, no, no. What, would it, what would it be called? I'll consider and get back. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, I real man, him staying with Paulie and seeing that painting would be amazing to me. <laughs> Tony and Artie, they're not in a good place, but Artie does take a moment to put the acrimony aside and go up to Tony and 
offer his condolences. And fresh pepper. And fresh pepper. Which, considering, is, is sweet. And I, you know, I really liked that <laughs> little olive branch. Tony, all he has to say is, this is not al dente. <laughs> Oof. So, Tony is not letting go of that grace. Great shot of Artie, like, taking the hit and going back to the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. like they could bond over this because well, Artie has a broken marriage as well. It could have been a moment, but Tony doesn't want to have any moments right now. Right? No, exactly. Like, he's out. He's dressed to the nines. He's eating. And, and, you know, it, and it just speaks to out. how unmoored Tony has been by this whole thing because he doesn't have Melfi. He doesn't have his. Artie is like one of the only friends he could probably open up to about this in a way that would be emotionally meaningful if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to go there, and he's on the in the outs with Artie. But Artie is different than a lot of Tony's other friends because Artie is not. Well, Tony's, he's, he's Tony's not, not Artie's not. He's not in this thing, right? You know, yeah, exactly. You know. So, but nope. That's actually that's his whole value on the show is that it's Tony's one. Not uh, what do you want to say? Like real friend. Yeah. You know, it's not a complicated relationship. It's yep. just his friend. What a good friend Tony is, huh? I mean, what a champ. Johnny calls Tony. They discuss the uh, deals and. Uh, Tony says, so we're off on that thing. Things have a momentum of their own. More's lost by indecision than wrong decision. <laughs> God damn it, Tony. And there we are. So we're still on for Tuesday. Cut to Paulie in the back of the Bing. <laughs> Johnny Sack. I always worked very hard to make him think I liked him. <laughs> How cunning. <laughs> Words and gestures used to deceive. Yeah. Yep. I try to feel him out about shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what you were doing. I think he and Ralphie were in bed in some way. Okay, great. It went sour with that joke shit. Yeah. And again, the fucking I love Silvio and everybody's reaction when Paulie says this, but oh no this no due respect to Carmela. I'd throw a shit on the curb and let it rain on her. <laughs> oh! oh Can't do that shit. It'll traumatize the kids for life. The Patsy's input there, but I just love that, you know. It's his house as much hers. More, I paid for it, Tony. That's said. right, T. I'm on your side on this. And that pause. And, and the look, pause. <laughs> you have a look like, from Tony. Like Tony and Silvio kind of look at each other and like, oh, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, oops, oops, Freudian slip there from Polly. Also, by the way, you know you're so fucked as a man if the only guy agreeing with you is Polly Walnuts. Like, if that's the friend <laughs> in your group who's like on your side, you're like, man, I'm really fucked, aren't I? Yeah. Because <laughs> I, and the other guys, like, the energy for me in that scene is like, the other guys know he's really fucked. Yep. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. This fucking phones were better off years ago. He answers it. When there weren't phones and wives knew the deal. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. That false nostalgia there. Alan calls, says, uh, I'm going to let you out of the agreement. I want my money by the end of the week. Well, as to that, I'm not rescinding the deposit. <laughs> That's what they're for. Hold parties to agreements. Now, if you want to make an offer. <laughs> uh, interesting parallel here. We're talking about ways that Alan and Tony are similar and different. This is something I caught. Tony and Alan, AS, both AS, have the same Rocky Marciano picture up in their office. Oh, do Tony they? has that Rocky oh. Marciano picture in the Ooh. back of the Bing. And Alan has that Rocky Marciano picture behind him on the ledge. Uh, that's no accident, but that's a cool little touch there for the, for the, uh, An Italian fighter, undefeated. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yes, yes. My favorite little exchange between these two is in this scene on the phone. It's just these three little lines. 
uh, where uh, Alan says, well, Tony threatens him. He says, I, you know, my family and I, we throw parties till four or five in the morning <laughs> saying we would be, you know, terrible neighbors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Alan's getting the hint of, of the threat. He says, I can show damages and I'm being generous and not enforcing the sale. Tony's reply is, damages? They haven't started yet, right? As if to Great say, life. I'll kill you, right? <laughs> Listen to me, there's a paper trail to our dispute, and Virginia Lupo's a witness. A hair on my head gets must. The authorities know just where to go. Alan, you must think I'm some kind of fucking thug. <laughs> you must read me entirely. You must read me entirely. Just be forewarned. Yeah. Not getting your deposit back. Hangs up. So clearly, uh, this is pride. I mean, he hasn't thought this through. Right, or at least not in any meaningful way. Who, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> is it possible that he doesn't know who Tony is? No, he knows he's a mobster. His wife, his wife, his wife he's like, I've done business with these people. And he's he's not wrong. Mobsters engage in legitimate business with people. but Right, but when he, the business goes sour for anybody else, they don't throw you in the bottom of the ocean. Correct, and I don't well, think he... He thinks that he's safe. He thinks he's, he's safe because it's real estate, there's look, a paper trail. we have listeners from all over the world. If you guys don't know what this shot means when you see Alan Sappensley's office, that is Madison Avenue yeah. in New York City. This guy is rich, he's powerful, he has and owns various properties on the South Shore in New Jersey. Right. He's too legit. You can't go after him. As they say on The Wire, you heard a man like that, the whole world's going to stand up and take notice. Right. It doesn't mean you can't use other tactics against him. Right. That's what he doesn't get. Yep. In some ways, there's a parallel between not wanting to kill a guy like Alan Sappensley and not wanting to kill a guy like Carmine. Yeah, right. right. Just the ripple effect is too great. As well as not being able to hurt your possibly soon-to-be ex-wife. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to play fair. Right, exactly. Because yeah. I, I think the, the more simple argument is just like, oh, well, can't we just kill any one of these people? But no, there, there are some people you can't kill. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. The repercussions are just too swift. Tony returns to the homestead. I guess he's taking Polly's advice. Well, a, a lesser version. He's not going to throw Carmela out, but he's refusing to not stay at the house. There's a part of him that is, it's just eating him up that he can't stay in his own fucking house. So he thinks he's just going to walk in. Maybe it's been a couple days at this point or, or a night or two. And uh, he's, he's, he's done. He's done sleeping on floors. It's my house, Carmela. I'm not leaving. Fine, stay. He tries to give this bullshit apology. The, you know, like as if this is just another time, oh, Carmela's mad at me again, womp womp. He's still not quite yeah. accepting the consequence here. She sticks to her guns, he pins her down. I don't love you anymore. You're not sleeping in my bed, Tony. The thought of it now makes me sick. He that let, takes the wind out of him, right? Yeah, yeah. As, it, as it would. And he lets her go, goes back to whatever meat he took out of the fridge. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, she just says, Jesus Christ, I'm going fucking crazy, runs off crying again. <sighs> Tony is not used to this, and it's very upsetting for him. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but it's very obvious that he's not equipped to fix this because it might be unfixable. Goes off into the, uh, the theater. AJ's there with him. Mom's going to let you stay here. Let, this is my house. Since you're just getting home, we were studying. For all the studying this kid does, I don't get the impression he uh, he performs very well in his academic pursuits. Yeah, yeah. But he and Devin do a lot of studying. I'm sure they do. Later on in the episode, they were on the phone doing a math problem. <laughs> um, I actually don't... This struck me as interesting and maybe a little weird or overcompensating. I wonder if it's a bit more normal th- than it might seem 
the, this marriage is falling apart. They're possibly divorcing. And Tony says to AJ, I'm going to take a bigger hand here. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that I was line. like, huh, really? What are you wrestling with? The fact that you have been here but not present? Yeah. You know. It, it's sad to me that he thinks the this moment is when, oh, now I'm going to be the dad I should have been. It's like, right. your family's falling apart, dude. You're not going to be yeah. the dad you think you're going to be right, right. now. Uh, I think this happens to a lot of men in divorce situations where they... Yeah, they're just trying to grasp on, on onto anything, right? And also they confuse owning the house with making the home, mm. right? Uh, two, right? Two totally different things that have different value, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, you, you own the building, Tony, but you, in, you invested nothing into it except yeah. for money, which was the thing that was least valuable, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and that happens in a lot of divorces. Yeah. You know? And the pool house, at least in the story that he told and perhaps the story he told himself was the family watching stuff together right and now it's this uh cold comfort where he's sleeping on the air mattress and eating salsa without any fat in it right (laughs) humiliating and and funny you say that uh yeah uh, i'm sure that is what he tells himself that it was something for the family have we ever seen anyone besides him watching anything in there no no it's kind of not carmella it it kind of became his space right yeah yeah that became a man a man cave basically that's what we call that now as if he needed another one of those this guy's go (laughs) this guy goes to hang out everywhere but home yeah do you know what I mean? He's got an office at the Bing. He's got the back room at Satriali's. He's got uh, the Stugats, right? Table he, at Vesuvio. Right. He has uh, the plaza. He has, you know, everywhere but home. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he's sitting there eating guiltless gourmet. <laughs> right. And now he's going to have his home away from home at home. Like, that That movie theater is really damning. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh... Rolls up the... I love this sequence with the inflatable bed. It's just, uh... It's, I, I want to add an addendum. I'm so sorry. Um... Not that I think that people shouldn't have their own spaces in a house. Yeah, but I mean, he, he literally basically built a second house for himself. Mm. Right. That's, yeah. that's all I want to say. Yeah, yeah. The scene with the inflatable bed, just watching it slowly unfold. He's sitting on the floor. This has to feel like an, an indignity for him. And then I love the way they shoot and over-accentuate the audio of the rubber on the bed. You know, every time he turns out, you get from yeah, yeah. a rubber, from an inflatable bed. His feet are sticking out. He's not comfortable. He's tossing and turning. He's upset the bed. Yeah. Right? He now must lie in it. Right? Yes. Yes. You made your bed. This is it. Exactly. Literally. Yes. Literally sleeping in is the the bed he made. Being up, he decides to call the Moltisantes. And <laughs> Chris is exercising. Thanks for drinking wine in front of me, by the way. Adriana rolls her eyes and gets up. Tony tells him, call it off. Nobody can ever know this was considered. Tony uses this very specific language, make sure, make sure, which is an indirect way of telling Chris to do exactly what he does. The next scene, Chris uh, pays the two would-be murderer, would-be assassins in full, which lets us, the viewer, know that um, they're not going to be long for this world. He's <laughs> right. not going to pay them for the, uh, for the job that they're not doing. They get in. I like. Uh, they have one interesting exchange here before they get brutally gunned down by Benny Fazio. One of them, like after interacting with Chris, because they've sold Chris heroin in the past. I, I has been implied. Yeah. He ain't quit. He's just freshening up. That's an interesting line. These Absolutely. guys, uh, you know that. that they know, know their business. Yeah. No, they know. They see people all the time. So I just I think that's an interesting moment, and then they get gunned down. Don't say shit. Got... Don't say shit to Kaisha about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Child support. That's gonna be Tony. That guy's headaches are gone. Tony's yeah. maybe have just begun. Right. Everybody's got money problems. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, brutal. This, but this is the only murder this episode. This is it's a brutal one. It's it's definitely you know watching this messy. in two thousand two, uh, boring, anticlimactic, disappointing. To see that as the only killer. Well, because you go into the episode thinking, oh, we might get Carmine dead. and then They might just... kill a five families boss. Right? right. And then they just call it off. But it's great. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, kills them, takes takes the money bag back, um, and then cut to Tony in the pool. And this is probably, for me, this upcoming sequence is the key to the episode. I, this is the scene. The other scenes have been great. This next sequence is really the heart of it for me. Mm-hmm. Carmela's staring at him. I want to know if you're going to move your theater seats to the garage. That's what you came to talk to me about. You know, I want to water while I'm out. They're your seats, and I want them to get ruined. I'll get right on it. Why do you have to make even this little thing difficult? Tony well, does reference one of my favorite movies here. This is Bad for the Glass, uh, the glass. which is from Chinatown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a little racist, but that's okay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Fuck you. It's going to cost you $3. Oh, boy. Uh, Good one. Yep. We are where we are. It's for the best. But just so you know, I might have actually gone on with your cheating and your bullshit if you'd been the least bit loving. That's brutal. I believe her. I do, too. Yeah. Mm. I believe her. And that's the answer to all the folks who say, well, she knows what he's doing. She knows what she's getting herself into. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, yeah, she's signing up for a life where the exchange is that she gets these material possessions and she lives a certain life of status, right, in exchange for her husband does terrible things, illegal things, and his infidelity. But she, no part of that contract says that I have to be constantly put down, disrespected, sidelined, made to live in the shadows, made to feel so, so small that it's barely like being alive, uh, like it's being suffocated and drowned for 20 years, right? Mm. There's no part of that contract in there, you know what I mean? You can be a happy mob wife, she's not one. Mm. Yeah. Tony immediately bounces back with what he knows. Whose idea was white caps? Just a bigger version of an, of a diamond ring. Emerald, yeah. Emerald mm-hmm. ring. Yeah. Bigger version of an emerald ring because of the ring that he gave her. The emerald he gave her, yeah. Yep. So instead of it being out there and our speculating on it, here Carmela just brings up the raw nerve. Yep. Like, this is what it is. And he has the balls to say to her, you don't know me at all. And then she drops our pull quote. Right. What, now, maybe, I do think Tony wanted to see her smile, he wanted to get the family together, he wanted to do all that, but he's, I don't know, he's just, is he not just willing to reckon with this life that he lives, and what, as Jordan just eloquently pointed out, what it does to Carmela, and is it because, when she says that line, I wanted to open it up to you guys, but part of why I think she's right, and this is painful, for Tony even, when she says... Um, I know you better than anybody, even your friends, which is probably why you hate me. I suspect Tony thinks that he himself is unlovable Mm. and keeps seeking it out. Mm. Um, That's what it means to me and is the essence of how familiarity has bred this kind of contempt for her. Mm. So, what do you guys think? You know, I I had a similar thought uh, from a different direction. My, my question when I was watching this episode and thinking back on the past season and seasons is, why does Ch- Tony cheat on Carmela so much? Like, what is he looking for? I've really taken to heart the question that Carmela has in this episode. What does she have that I don't? 
right? And I, I don't like his answer on that ultimately uh, in the fight that that somehow Svetlana well, is because more the, the, genuine. Even if even if I take him at face value for that, which you can never fully do with Tony. No, he's a liar. Uh, that and Carmela addresses it like, okay, let's take for let's take for for fact that what you said is true for Svetlana. Mm-hmm. What about all the other... You know, she, exactly she right. Says it exactly. Uh, right. And I, I alluded to that much earlier. Much more colorful language. Uh, <laughs> Tony's sex addiction, uh, sex addiction, I think, from Paul's point, is his uh, just empty black pit inside of him that just can never be loved enough because he's denied his mother's love from childhood. And I think Melfi was... can never be full. Right. This is, I, think it's, Melfi, it's I think Melfi was going to get there. But it's the kind of thing he never really wants to talk about. Right. You know, and it kind of all comes from that. But also, we can't just let him rest on that forever. At some point, he has to move on from that. And he has to mature and accept the love that he's being given. Carmela has shown us some of the best character traits in this series in terms of how she can be a good person, a loving person, someone who makes a beautiful home, wants better for the people in her family, uh, for her children especially. And I'm sure for her husband as well. Uh, he can't seem to accept that love because it's already sort of not enough for him. He's already decided it's not enough. He always wants more. We have in previous recordings of this episode said, how many fucking women does this guy need to sleep with? The answer is all of them. Yeah. He needs to sleep with every woman because it's not until then that he will have had enough in the same way that Ralphie needs to kill all of them, right? right? Uh, and that's the parallel there. Oof. That's why I'm so thrilled you said food addiction because... I, sex addiction. He, uh, that's said, said, Both. That's why I'm oh, thrilled yeah, you said yeah. sex addiction. Well, that's what I was going to bring up is this is a man of appetites. He'll be very quick to judge Chris for being a drug addict, but he's an addict himself and at addiction comes from self-medicating. Tony's... Medicine of choice isn't heroin. It's food and it's sex. And he uses these... It's like the shark who can't stop moving. Melfi uses that question to him back in season two. There always has to be something to fill that hole in himself. And he just... His appetites are unquenchable. He doesn't eat because he's hungry. He eats to medicate himself. I've you know, he, He's just constantly eating and consuming and fucking. And that, that's how he deals with it he doesn't even know it it's this is not something he can even see or acknowledge but it's there yeah I, that that's what it is for me it's an un, it, this unquenchable appetite because there's something broken in him that he refuses or is unable to look at deeply and right. this is the worst time to drop melfi for this exact purpose oh right. sure and he knows it yeah right that's why he will, will later call her yep getting back to the uh scene don't worry, I'm going to hell when I die. Nice seeing the Sato guy heading into an MRI. Call back to the pilot episode. That's a very memorable line from the pilot pilot episode. And he throws it back in her face. And I love that Carmela comes in and is honest with him. Uh, she could be cruel here and just say, Well, guess what? You are going to hell when you die. You're a fucking monster. But she does admit and says, You know, I've always been sorry I said that. And that's a great line because... It, you can see on Carmela's face when she says it, she regrets it the moment it comes out of her mouth. If you watch back that pilot. You're going to hell when you die. And then she just like closes her eyes like, shit, I, that was the wrong place. Yeah, it's a great moment that was when she waves to him when he goes into the MRI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. so that, that was great. It was a great callback for people who've been watching since the beginning. And I love that she says that. And you were my guy. You could be so sweet. No one could make me laugh like you. And then Tony is ready to fire back here. And this is... 
Here we go. The most honest Tony gets in this episode, and maybe yet so far. She talks about your mother can say whatever she wants, but we all both know the uh, the guy the guy you were debating marrying was Jerry Toofy with a, with a snowplow business, and we all know that wouldn't suit you at all. Yeah, this conversation leads with Carmela. Who the fuck did you think I was when you married me? Right, right. He levels the question. You at grew her up around Dickie. I think all all the viewers yeah. are thinking that. Yeah. You know? But her response is valid. Yep. Where do you get off being miffed that there are women on the side? And she, he brings up this Jerry Toofy guy and the snowplow business, which we all know wouldn't suit you at all. You think for me it's all about things? And Tony gets fires back vindictively. No, what you crave is a Hyundai and a simple gold heart on a chain. Ugh, rough. You're so fucking hateful. She feels vindicated at this point. Neither of them are thinking clearly here. This is the gloves coming off. But uh, in brutal fashion, she finally reveals the... This is the whole season for her. It's led up yeah. to this moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Tony, I've been in... This past year, I've been in love, fantasizing about Furio. In bed next to you, those nights you actually were in the bed. He would come over, my heart would be come out of my chest. In those mornings, to pick you up, my heart would come out of my chest. And then, like somebody who was terminally ill and managed to forget it. For, and then you would come downstairs. And like someone who was terminally ill and somehow managed to forget it for a few minutes. And then it would all come rushing back. Like the I, waves. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the line of the season for me. Yeah. My God, isn't it gorgeous? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost chose it. And then it all comes back. I thought that could be mm-hmm. It all comes back. But the next line. Ugh. Then the next line is, he'd talk to you. Oh, poor you. <coughs> there it is, well, ladies yeah, and germs. Yeah. Well, he rushed, Freud line yep, one. Yep, yep, yep. He rushes her for a moment. Is he going to hit her? Is he going to hit her? And I, up until this moment, and I'm watching this with fresh, you know, trying to put yourself in fresh eyes because I've obviously seen White Caps before. I would have never thought in a million years Tony would be capable of hitting Carmella, and this is the one time... It could happen. She thinks he's going to hit her, actually. Right. That's how she reacts. And I don't think he's ever hit her before, to be fair. Like, no, they've no, grabbed, no, they've slapped, so, yeah. he's, he's tossed her, yeah. he's pinned her, but I don't think a, a full-out fucking battering has yeah. ever happened in this relationship. Right. And she's expecting it here, and this is the one time it could happen. And he still manages... I, 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 I respected Carmela's restraint with Meadow. I, I do... There's a... Very small sliver of respect I have that Tony still would not stoop that low and would punch a hole through the wall rather than her. So sure, but still not great. Oh, of course not. He's got her pinned against the wall. He's intimidating the shit out of her. Well, also, doesn't it still bring up what we've been talking about, where the rot is coming from? Because he's punching holes in the wall of his home. Yeah, right. Yeah, which is very easy to put a hole in. That wall just like paved. Yeah, yeah. So it was a paper tiger. Yeah, that's that's good, Lily. Yeah, yeah. You're good. You're, You're good. good. You're good, Goodman. But he talks to you. Oh, poor you. Drops the Livia line, and that's that's it right there, isn't it, guys? Uh, sure is. Poor you. He made me feel like I mattered. You know, you asked me what she had that you don't have, and I thought about it because it's a pretty good fucking question. I could converse with her because she had something to say. I'm here. I have things to say. She's a grown woman who's had to fight. And, and been on her own and struggled and she's been on her own he's implying that this is all for her right which is not true tony's a selfish creature he would be in the mob whether he married carmella or someone else uh but he's making it sound like i'm doing all this for you like if you weren't if you didn't have such expensive tastes and wanted this lavish lifestyle I, my my life would be simpler which is such a crock of shit yeah. 
I think she would be okay with the Hyundai and the gold heart on a chain if somebody were nice to her. Right. Well, yeah. Maybe not when she was young and married him. Yeah. Now, though, she's had the... She did choose to marry him. She is complicit there, Brother Brian. (laughs) But, you know, it's... Uh, um... (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck pissed and moaned at the idea with me with a fucking real estate license... And Tony just is ranting at this point. He's, he's completely lost his temper. Sit back and fiddle with the air conditioning and bitch, bitch, bitch to me, to your priest. Fuck it. Who knew all this time you wanted Tracy and Hepburn? Right. And then she drops the winning. I mean, she wins. She comes out. She wins the scene, right? That's the rule. The rule of a twofer like this where they're fighting is the whoever has the last line wins. While neither of them are really coming out of this in the best way. She, she definitely wins with this line because there is no answer for this other than I'm a raging hypocrite, which is what about all the thousand, quote, thousand other pigs you had your dick in over the years? The strippers, the cocktail waitresses, were you best friends with all of them too? And he has nothing to say to that. You fucking hypocrite. And there it is. It hangs in the room and she walks out. Yeah, she wins the fight. He also lost it the moment he hit the wall. Yeah. You know. That was when he had nothing more more to articulate that he had to have that. And he could only become Livia after that, which was just poison. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. the irony is, yes, Svetlana has been through much deeper personal strife, struggle than Carmela, but she's going at it alone, too. They're not in it as a team. This is not a team effort. He's not there for her. This is for the family. Oh, and for us, too. She's Mm -hmm. the last thought. It's all implied that she'll just be there with a hot meal. She'll be by his side when she's invited. You know, she's going at it alone. So you don't hit her. You don't physically abuse her. You don't psychologically abuse her. You take her for granted. Yep. And you have for 20 years. Think about the season two opening montage. Let's go back to that, where the only thing, like, we see all of the catching up. We have the Frank Sinatra. It's a very good year. Yeah. It's a very memorable opening montage for season two. And all we see of Carmel in the montage is like we see Tony doing the gangster shit. We see the kids learning to drive and growing up. Tony fucking Arena in a bed. And just three cuts throughout the whole montage of Carmela just walking out of the kitchen, the same shot with some kind of platter or casserole, looking more dissatisfied each time we see her. And if Tony had his way, that's all it would have to be. Oh, good. She's, she's bringing out the casserole and I don't have to think about it. And Yeah, she's yeah. not bothered with right. anything. Yeah, like, if, she, if, if she's not complaining, would he ever give her a second thought? In a meaningful way. Obviously, he enjoys the comfort and having her there when he needs her. But as he, far as any meaningful reciprocation in this marriage... The last shot of this scene is him watching her go and looking after her. Maybe he's thinking about it a little bit now. It's too late. Mm-hmm. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Anything else to say about this excellent key scene before we move on? I'm hard-pressed to think of a scene in The Sopranos altogether that I like more. Yeah. Uh, Masterclass. Yeah. Yeah. Junior's trial. Judge calls everybody in. We're going to come back to that in a second. Tony, smartest thing he's done this episode, but he doesn't follow through, calls Melfi. Uh, it's nice to see Melfi in this finale. Uh she's sorely missed on the show just because Lorraine Bracco and the character is great, but I like that she answers the phone, Tony is sitting there in the dark, and he can't bring himself to do it. Why not? Pride? What's the deal here? Well, he can't admit he needs help yet. Mm. 
Yeah, he can't go there right now. So he hangs up on her. She does. This is, I mean, it's it's literally a call for help. And when she starts 69, it's a blocked number. She knows it's him, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can't get to that yet. You yeah. know? Yeah. And that's it. That's all we're going to see of her. It's tough, but that's that's the show. This jury is hopelessly deadlocked. How frustrated and angry the other jury members are looking at this guy. He's more stressed out and haggard and rubbing his head. And the judge it's, not, it's not funny, but it is. Of course. He's perfectly cast. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, judge declares a mistrial. Big celebration. That's it. The, you know, obviously, mistrial means that they're going to possibly try again. So Junior's not fully out of the woods. But at Junior's age, buying another year or two is a big deal. Uh, so. Yeah. He he get he gets out and this is a this is a victory you know it's going to cost the feds at the very least a lot more time and money to try this whole case again maybe it'll happen maybe it doesn't and they may not want to at Junior's age right I think that's what he's playing against right you know so we'll see but to mount another trial against Junior uh, Soprano and the guys you know aging out of any use I mean but short yeah. of a full acquittal this is the best result he could have hoped for here is this another example of right thing to happen for the wrong reason because. We do know that he is going senile and the or, or oh, yeah. dementia, and he did get hit in the head. He is obviously guilty. We know this, right? Incredibly guilty. Incredibly guilty. But you know, I just I do. I was just thinking about that. There is a there is a human part of me that doesn't see the purpose of someone in with dementia dying in prison. But if it's a question of deserving and paying a price to society for their crimes, I don't know anyone who deserves it more than Junior Soprano to be in prison for the things he's done. But I think, uh, I mean, it's a good point. I think that it's complicated and we do feel for him in a way. We also see that there are new problems and we see very deliberately, as it seems like we've seen a few times this season, the effect of what they do on legit people. Like this guy, he goes up and he says to the grandmother, or the expecting yeah. grandmother, yeah. call me when your grandkid is born, I wouldn't want to think of you on that day. Yep. The same family sentiment that was used to intimidate him says, I don't want you anywhere near me. Because yep. she knows he's been corrupted. Yep. Yeah. That's what they do. As yeah. much as we like these guys, that is what they do. Yes. Right. Yeah. Tony's uh, watching the History Channel, downing this... Guilt-free, what is it? Guilt-free gourmet salsa? Guiltless gourmet. Guiltless I got gourmet. that timing wrong on that one. <laughs> it's okay. You know, but this is the kind of shit he's eating when he doesn't have access to carbs. Well, and just the, the, the idea of guiltless was yeah. interesting sure, to me. Sure, sure. Yep. AJ asks to move in with Tony. Can I move in here with you? Mom's on my case about everything. The other night I was on the phone with Devin. We were doing an algebra problem. <laughs> Again, the idea that these two study this much. Tony throws immediate cold water on it. It'll hurt her feelings. Meanwhile, while they're talking, little Paulie is taking these giant speakers out, and first-time viewers are wondering, hmm, what's this about? AJ <laughs> says, you're, letting, you're, you're getting rid of your front speakers? They're borrowing them. They're borrowing them. <laughs> more, uh, to co- more to come soon. But you can't stay here. Get that out of your head right now. AJ just mutters, fuck. This is not good. Uh, this happens sometimes when parents split up. Is You got... Uh, kids who take a side and that's another consequence of divorce is that it fractures the family in multiple ways aj admires tony for quote telling her i heard you telling her off by the pool you don't have to take her shit and even tony in his inconsideration sees that for how bad it is 
he doesn't have a good solution, but he hands AJ money and says, "Go buy your mother flowers. Tell her you'll try to be. Tell her you're sorry, and you'll be more considerate." Is that still the way he thinks he needs to apologize? This sort of drab, like I'll be more considerate, mm. kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but that's not good. It's not a good sign. Janice and Bobby want to order, want to celebrate for uh, Junior in the trial. Junior says, oh, "I order a couple pies, but that's it. I don't, su- don't su- suppose Tony would come. What's going on up at that abattoir?" <laughs> <laughs> And then Bobby and Janice, boy, they're happy, huh? Singing uh, Sonny and Cher, dancing in the kitchen after ordering the pies. And Junior looks unenthused. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he, he... <laughs> why, is, why is he so miserable in this scene, Junior? Um, he's tired. He's crabby. He, yeah. They're uh, dancing in the kitchen. He basically sends Bobby to go get Murph's envelope, which Bobby knows isn't there. Right. Uh, to break up the happy moment for them. Why? Just, I wondered that too. Just to be knows. just to be a Scrooge? Uh, no, I don't think it's just to be a Scrooge. Uh, I think for me it's been about Junior knowing Janice. Yes. For mm. a long time. Yeah. He oh, just, so he just sees this happening and yeah. Yep. It's uh, and, and part of it is also I think that's that's a that's ninety percent of it. I think there might be a ten percent envy part here too, because he's still alone. And seeing two people happy and possibly in love, even if it's Bobby and Janice, fuck that. Go get the envelope. <laughs> yeah, you can. can he survive the trial and perhaps he's asking himself what for? What, and, and what's next? Yes. What's it all for? What's it all for? What am I home to? To see this? Get Go get my envelope. <laughs> <laughs> is that too much to ask? I just went through the trial of my life. And again, what is his life? That's the question staring him dead in the face now that this obstacle has been temporarily sidelined. Right. Little Paulie on the deck of the Stugats setting up speakers. And this scene is just chef's kiss. To wonderful friends, to Alan's shark fin soup, and to a wonderful day. Hear, hear. Cheers. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Sands Hotel proudly presents the star of our show direct from the bar, Dean Martin. What the hell? It's that boat. Stugats. Fucking Goomba trash. This whole shoreline's turning into the Gulf of Sorrento. <laughs> hey, buddy, turn it down. <laughs> this is great. Uh, now we see Tony's plan. He's not going to engage in brutal thuggery, just casual thuggery. This is great. Ruining his dinner. Ru- making here. This is this might be hell for a guy like Alan Sappinsley. Having a beautiful, expensive, multi-million-dollar shore house. And you can't have your windows open. Ha! Correct. That's great. That's just great. I never tire of painting this, and now my whole aesthetic is being ruined. Yep, yep. Right. And uh, there's a moment you kind of see and piece it together, too. This whole bay is turning into the Gulf of Sorrento. It's like, oh, these fucking Italians coming down here now from the north. So Alan is pissed off, and you can see the moment when he goes back in the house and sits down. It's starting to sink in what this is. By the way, this... Dean Martin Live at the Sands album is tremendous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great album. <laughs> like, you know, if it were if you were just gonna play through it once, I actually, you know, wouldn't be too mad if that were happening outside of my house. Well, actually, but, I think that's kind of what's funny is a lot of us would be like, oh, good album. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. But not Alan Zappinsley. And not over and over Correct. And, and not that loud. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We started the season with Dean Martin too, um, in the opening episode. My Raffle, My Pony? Yeah, he was yeah. watching Rio Grande. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. interesting. 
Good call. Goomba trash. That's great writing. <laughs> Goomba trash. <laughs> Tony meets Johnny. Uh, this is sort of a coda on the whole Tony New York storyline here. You know, I've been meeting with divorce lawyers. Johnny poses the question, ah, so I ask myself, is it worth it? Marriage can be uh, tough if both people aren't carrying that load. No, it's another weight comment, yeah, by the way. Yeah, Tony has to bite his Yeah, sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> God damn But uh, Tony breaks some bad news for Johnny. You're not going to be happy to hear it. You're not going to be happy. I'm out. It's bad for business. Johnny wants some kind of explanation here. and The, the, the gist of it is they put up with our shit. You know, a couple people get ripped off. They figure it's not them. But if it's the fucking OK Corral out there, and we're out there killing each other, you know, that's when things get hairy for us. And This is also the reason why you can't kill Alan Sappensley, by the way. Correct. You can't just go out around killing people indiscriminately, and even within the organization, you can't go around killing each other all the time. Otherwise, people start to really look at you and they say, we can't have this. Right. There are, um, and Tony is learning this in his personal life, there are sometimes just situations that you gotta, you have to just fucking live with it, whether you like him or not. But you make do the best you can, and and he doesn't um, need the money, right, unfettered, correct, to buy this house, to buy anymore. the house anymore. Yeah, exactly. Don't go into coaching, Tony. It's not your strong suit. And Johnny essentially poses the 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 idea of like, uh, so we're just gonna go on like it never fucking happened. And Tony says that would be the healthy thing. Yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow I go into work. It creeps on this petty pace. Yep. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare from... quote. Yep. The Nick Scottish play, I think. Yep, yep, yep. And that fucking cocksucker idiot son of his. <laughs> I shouldn't be hearing that. Oh, really? <laughs> well, and then Tony shares him, hey, listen, if you want to still go through with it, you do what you got to do. You have my support. Tony's mentions, we're friends, John, you know. Johnny says, why would I ever trust someone who would leave me holding my cock like this? Great line. From his point of view, not a, it's a, it's a fair point. Why... He's going to have a hard time trusting Tony. The thing is, we had those conversations. Your mouth was moving, same as mine. Also Shakespearean. We were in this yep. conspiracy together. Yep. And... yep, yep. Tony says, I still consider you a dear friend. Yeah. Uh, the, the Macbeth include is purposeful, right? This is yeah. very similar to the conversation between Macbeth and Lady Macbeth. Yeah. When Macbeth tries to pull out of killing King Duncan, right? This is the same thing. Pulling out of killing a king is not something, you know, I would... I would uh, sooner have, have dashed the babe that was sucking at my teat, right, yeah. rather than, than do this thing you have done to me, right, which is the back out of your word that you were going to kill the king. Yeah. Right, and we're in this together. Right. In Johnny Sack's first scene, you noted his ambition. Yeah. 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 Boom. That's great. Great stuff. So they know what they're doing with the Macbeth thing there. And look, they hug. They hug at the end, and they go. Are they at war? No. But something has been broken in this relationship. He here. says to him... John, I still consider you a dear, dear friend, and they embrace, but it's very much up in the air. It feels dangerous, yeah, and that... this episode has already showed us that, again, the words and even gestures can be used to deceive. He said to Carmine, you stay, you're healthy, you stay that way, and they embrace, and the next scene is we're still going to kill him. So who knows mm. what's going to... This is... If I'm watching season four, and this is where it ends in the relationship between New York and New Jersey, I'm thinking, like, I don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we really just have two more scenes here. Uh, this next one is brutal. And in some ways, it's one of the best acted scenes in the episode. And that's saying something. Uh, Tony goes back to pick up a few things. Carmela's cooking. Tony calls in the kids, or AJ anyway, and Meadow happens to come down. Turn that off. It's almost over. Now. It's almost over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
shuts it off. And, and, you know, Carmella says in the first episode of the season, everything comes to an end, and this is the end here. Tony mentions that uh, me living out there, uh, it's not a good idea to live out there. He's basically saying that this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. He's conceding the castle. He's stepping out. There's a look of relief on Carmela's face, and um, they're doing the best they can right now as parents to try to toe the line here and ease the kids' concerns. Meadow comes down. AJ says, because I asked to live with you? Uh, and yeah, I just wrote, AJ, you idiot. You sweet, lovable idiot. <laughs> but so sad. And yes. we already see the uh, traumatizing factor that we spoke about in a previous scene, right? They traumatize the kids. They're already traumatized. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're traumatized even if this whole divorce separation doesn't happen. Uh, just from the life they've had to live here. No, AJ. They have, Tony consoles him. And the looks, you can feel AJ's shame when he sees Carmela's face and uh, knows that he's going to be <laughs> living with her. And he just made that awkward. Meadow asks, where are you going to go? Don't worry about it. You should go back to counseling. Brutal line. Especially as she's like crying into his shoulder. Tony being the best dad he can here. It's better this way. We'll go. Uh, he'll get a place. We'll go visit. Carmela is saying, it, you know, maybe you guys will get back together. We're still close. We get that very brief flashback of Meadow yeah. as a teenager running through the house, right? The, God, is there nothing to eat in this house? That's right? from a uh, season three, uh, or is it? Yeah, it was season three, right? Sure right after her breakup with Noah. Yeah. And I think maybe hearkening back to like when the problems were simple. Mm. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I can't find food. I broke up with my boyfriend. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was the dumbest form of guilt that could be taken. Oh, you think yeah. that, that was it? Well, because I'm not a child of divorce. From what I understand, the specifics don't matter. The kids always blame themselves mm. at some level. And yeah. Meadow thinking I was an ungrateful kid. I must have made things harder for them. Ironically, since her breaking up with Noah probably had Tony fucking dancing around the house doing the Tarantella. <laughs> but it seemed in a weird way real to me that she would feel that way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Both are totally valid interpretations. I like that. But that's, yeah. you know, they, they chose to put it there for a reason. So, but, it, but whatever that reason is, it definitely evokes sadness and, and gives you a sense of where she is mentally. I Tony don't... wanted to do these things, these gestures, at least in part to bring the family back together. And Meadow has never been at the house more this season mm. than when the family is blowing up. Yep. It's ironic, it's sad, it's mm. it's hard. Mm. Yeah. This last moment where Tony's just getting his shit out of the closet and Carmela's comes around. This is, they're both at, I don't want to say at peace, but they've both, it's happening, there's no coming back now. She says, be careful. He doesn't respond. He puts on the hat. I'll be at the plaza. And he's off. AJ watching as Tony drives off. Very sad. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the last we're going to see of the Soprano family this season. We'll talk more in a second. But um, the last scene of the episode is such a... <laughs> they needed this scene last. Uh, this episode was a gut-wrenching, emotional hour and 15 minutes so to put us off on a laugh i i challenge anyone to watch this and not have a smile on their face my favorite part of this scene is that they both walk out sapinsley and his wife so walk out they see the boat out there it's it's late at night they have their little little snifter of wine they sit very very tentatively as if if they move too aggressively (laughs) the boat will know they're there and will start up again yep 
They just sit, they relax, they relax. And for a moment, it goes silent a little too long. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. maybe they got away with it. And then it comes with, it comes in with, well, I don't drink anymore. I freeze it now and I eat it like a popsicle. Fucking <laughs> 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 gangster asshole! <laughs> I'm gonna call the police. <laughs> They'll just turn it down again when the police boat comes. The Coast Guard will. You can keep paying those $200 fines forever, Alan. You gotta let it go, Alan. Just give him his money. God! <laughs> this is great. And, and he's gonna. He realizes he's gonna have to. Tony had to part with his wife. Alan Sappenly is, is gonna part with that 200 grand. Uh, <laughs> you can see the resignation on his face uh, as he's listening to Dean Crunon about how much he loves Vegas. <laughs> Just the slow walk back in the house and credits. And that is Whitecaps. Guys, any final thoughts on Whitecaps uh, before we uh, close out here? I feel like I really said everything I wanted to say in the course of yeah. us covering this, so I, I don't have much in the way of closing thoughts. <coughs> I will... I will only say in the way of appreciation, to say that a scene is well acted in this episode is to say it's some of the best acting in the series because this is Whitecaps. It's one of the series' best episodes. And uh, if I'm looking at any of the acted scenes in here, whether it's from Tony and Carmella, especially Carmella, who are just so amazing in this, or even anyone that is contributing to this episode meaningfully in any way, it's just some of the best work we've seen on the show ever. And it's so engaging. And to me... It's more rewarding to see this than it would have been to see some kind of, like, insane mob hit where, like, Carmine gets his head chopped off or something like that, you know? Yeah. We don't need that for every character. So I, I thought it was just a, a beautiful episode, heartbreaking, and I thought the parallels were so particularly good. I enjoy that Junior's trial ends in a, in a mistrial, right? Mm -hmm. I enjoy that we do not know the story of how this marriage ends yet. It's all just kind of up in the air, mm -hmm. right? And uh, more than anything... I lament that this family cannot seem to get it together to be happy. Uh, early in the episode, Tony and Carmela talk about like, oh, you know, look, a, a vacation house. When we were young, this was our biggest like pie-in-the-sky dream that we could ever have would be to buy a vacation home like this together. And now we're here and it's ours, but they don't get it. It reminds me of, uh, you know, Boardwalk Empire, El Dorado, right? Mm. Same episode, right? Uh, Nucky and and uh, his ex-wife at that point are walking in saying, you know, basically this could have been ours. It's the same thing. But again, this idea of, of Camelot, this perfect place, uh, it can never be because the pieces that make it up are, are imperfect. Only the dream remains. Mm. Nice. I, all I want to say is, is just the, for the acting part of this, one of the hardest things I have found in my performing arts background is pacing. When do you blow up? When do you start yelling? When is it, when does it come to a head, right? And, and Edie Falco in particular does such a masterful job of not only pacing this for 13 episodes, but the seasons before this and the amount of intelligence and restraint it takes for an actor to really hold out for this exact moment is just so, is just a masterclass in skill. And we all have a lot to learn from her in particular, not to mention James Gandolfini, of course, but I really want to shout out to Edie Falco for, for, a four seasons of just pure perfect pacing 
and writing and directing and all that, but this is my tribute <laughs> to goddess queen of all time, Edie Falco. Slay. Yes, queen. I, I'm with you, Lily. That's ultimately looking at this episode in a grand scale. When I when you say white caps, it's like, oh, that Edie Falco shining star yeah. moment where she just tears the house down, literally. Yeah, she's she's a master. And when, you know, just you say white caps, I shudder because of the performance of Edie Falco. And yes, this show is humming on all cylinders. And season four, we'll talk about this more in the retrospective, was radically misunderstood by even some of the people in this room. And it felt different than the seasons that came before it. We'll talk about why, but really this this is about Edie Falco for me. And all of the elements, the writing, the directing are always top-notch. That's the given on The Sopranos. If something bad happens from a writing or creative standpoint, that's an exception. This show is always humming on all cylinders, but this is a particular standout for the goddess queen known as Edie Falco. And, and I'm not going to take anything away from James Gandolfini here because he is the glue, he's the staple, He's such a hardworking actor. He's such a giving actor and a caring actor. But this is Edie's shining moment in this series. And the series and this episode owe oh, pretty much all so much to her. So thank you, Edie Falco, if, if you're out there <laughs> listening to our dumb show. And uh, thank you to my uh, co-hosts here for getting through another season this has been the season four finale whitecaps i can't believe we're here we have two technically maybe three seasons depending on how you view season six left we're going to do our season four retrospective next those are always my favorite episodes we do i can't wait to talk about this in its totality it's going to be a very interesting discussion we're going to have our top three categories we're going to have some listener mail which is going to be a very exciting segment this time around i'm excited we have a lot of interesting stuff <laughs> from our listeners this time around we'll get into it some criticisms some positives and some questions and it's just some interesting stuff you guys throw some real cool stuff our way we're going to talk about it more. This has been our coverage of Whitecaps. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we will see you in our retrospective. Thanks. We love you, Reza. Take care, brother. Yes. I got myself a girl.